Welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk-On, PFF's College Football Show. I'm your host, Max Chadwick, alongside my co-host, Dalton Wasserman, producer Eli, back there in the studio as well. Dalton, we have a fun episode today. We're going to talk about uh, a few breaking stories in college football right now and go over our top 10 transfer portal fits that we love the most. Not necessarily the top 10 players in the transfer portal, but what we love the most, the players going to the schools that we think is a, a terrific fit. So, Man, we're fully in off-season mode right now. Don't we got a, a lot of really, really cool ideas uh, for the rest of the off-season? But uh, I think it's a good time now to talk about the transfer portal, man. With how many guys are still entering the transfer portal uh, and how many guys are committing to, to this new schools for 2024. Yeah, I think right now all eyes are still on schools like Arizona and even even a San Jose State and teams that are still, you know, have their coaches departing and they get that players get that 30-day window to get into the portal um it feels like it's slowed down for sure but it feels like it never ends and we still have some big big names in it but uh yeah no i think i think it's getting to be a good time to really dig in on this and find who you know between the most there's the most talented guys in and like you mentioned a lot of it's about finding the best fit for these guys absolutely yeah one of the guys who just entered it uh, i think yesterday was to davis who is a cornerback from arizona i was actually diving into his film last night after he entered I love the kid, man. He's like a six foot four corner, true sophomore last year. His grades and everything were like in the 90 plus percentile. I mean, you can make an argument, and I would make the argument. The top two corners in the transfer portal are still available with Takario Davis and Jabbar Muhammad, the Washington corner, who seems like he's going to make a decision soon between Oregon, seems to be a favorite right now. Texas is up there as well. Alabama still with obviously Kalen DeBoer going Alabama. That's another school, but it seems like Oregon's favorite. Takario Davis, interestingly enough, Dalton, we were talking about this earlier, uh, he has a no-contact tag on his transfer portal, which means he decided to say, hey, you can't reach out to me if you're a school. The only way that we could talk is if I initiate contact with you. So to me, what that sounds like for Terry Davis is he kind of knows where he wants to go already. I wonder if it's maybe Washington to follow Jed Fish to Washington. Maybe it's another school like Alabama or Ohio State, who we'll talk about in a second as well. But that was kind of interesting to me. I never really knew you could do that in the transfer portal. I kind of learned about it last night with him. That Because uh, usually when you enter the transfer portal, it's free game. You know, every, anyone, and anyone, can, every, anyone and everyone can reach out to you in the transfer portal. He can't. He, he's kind of got a no-contact tag right now, so that kind of sounds like to me he's kind of going to have an idea of where he wants to go. We might see a commitment from him uh, pretty soon. Yeah, it makes you wonder what the motivations are. And, and, and when you told that to me, I thought I, it made me think of, like, what is this, like a contract clause in the NFL or something <laughs> like anti-tampering or – or I, I don't know. I'd never heard of that. I didn't know these guys could do that. But no, I think I, I wonder. I mean, it could be that it's predetermined or he just wants to take it into his own hands. Right. Yeah. Like almost like almost like going back to the original recruiting process and going, you know, I, I'm going to go take a look at these schools. It, it'll be incumbent on me and whoever, whoever, you know, whoever my people are to just go and go and find the right fit for myself instead of trying to be convinced. Or we all know with NIL, just trying to be paid. Some guys are in it for the most money. It might be a thing where he it just makes him feel like okay i've got the autonomy in this situation instead yeah. of just having having the wolves just raining down on you you know it's the same way now in the portal that it is with recruiting where it's just everybody flying in all different directions and offering you things and offering playing time and 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 you wonder if he just wants to just slow it down and make the best decision for himself or you could be right maybe it's just listen jedfish knows me when he's ready for it he'll call me and we'll make it happen at Washington. You know, yep. uh, Jonah Coleman is up there now. We've seen several other guys mm -hmm. go up there to Washington with Fish now, not Fafita and McMillan, which would be which would have been the two big ones. But 
we've already seen plenty of guys, but to have the the no contact thing in there, that's it. it I, I wonder internally. That would be that would be a fun question to ask. Like, what went into that? Yeah. And and why why was that clearly a sticking point in the, how you wanted to go about this process? It, it certainly is weird because usually when you enter the portal, you want all the suitors to present themselves to you, kind of like a bachelor bachelorette type thing, where it's like, okay, now I want to know what my options are. He kind of is like, hey, I I want to make my own options to myself. So it's, it's interesting that it is like that because uh, I don't know, it might limit the schools obviously that he he looks at, but it still it does to me sound like Takara Davis has an idea. Not only are he and Muhammad, the top two corners in the portal available. They're by far, in my opinion, the top two players still available uh, in the transfer portal right now. So uh, it's going to be interesting where they go ultimately, and maybe they would join this list if we knew where they were going. Um, but it definitely is going to be interesting. Also, there's a spring transfer portal window is going to open too. That also has a lot of players that enters it as well. So we'll talk about that when that happens uh, a few months from now. But uh, let's get into some news first on before we get into the transfer portal more in depth. So Jim Harbaugh, national championship winning head coach for Michigan, it sounds like he's going to be returning to the NFL. Now, the, all the reports were saying before that uh, a deal with the Los Angeles Chargers seems to be within striking distance. It was reported literally like 20 minutes ago. He's actually meeting with the Atlanta Falcons for a second time right now. So it sounds like the Chargers are still the favorite for him, but it sounds like Atlanta is also in the mix. Regardless of that, it sounds like, it really sounds like, he's not going to be returning to the Michigan Wolverines next year, and he will be making the jump uh, to the NFL. So let's start off first with, with that jump. W- what do you think about Jim Harbaugh returning to the, uh, to the league? Um, I think it's very straightforward. I think he wants to win a Super Bowl. He was yep. within five yards of it. You know, one, one more play is made, uh, what, 10, 11 years ago when he was in San Francisco, and he, went, and he pulls off a huge comeback to win a Super Bowl. He's, I mean, he was that close, right? And I think he feels like he can get there again. You know, as far as the two jobs being mentioned, you've got – one in the Chargers, where the, all the whispers have said that Harbaugh loves Justin Herbert, yep. that he that he can build a contender around Justin Herbert. Obviously, the the, the big thing for the Chargers for me is they need a culture shock, right? I, I think more than more than anything on the field, they have talent. They have obviously the fifty million dollar quarterback. They have a ton of stuff to work with. They need a culture shock more yep. than maybe any team in the league. And as far as Atlanta. Um, I find Atlanta really interesting with some of these big name coaches because I actually think of all the NFL jobs, you know, the Chargers are the flashy one and there was a lot of suspense with them. I think Atlanta's kind of the sleeper job of all the ones that have been open. They have a lot of talent all around their football team and just no quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they walked into this year with Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke and that just just wasn't good enough straight up so you've got you know a spot with atlanta i believe they're picking eighth or ninth in the draft i where think eight yeah you're in a prime spot where you could you could trade up if you want let's say new england the guy you know if the guy they don't want is you know they want isn't there at three or if they don't want a Jaden daniels or something like that, you could trade up you could you're in a prime spot michael Penix, bo nix or even if you have harbaugh i guess jj mccarthy I was just right say that yeah There's, that sounds the like second, JJ. If, if he were to go to a team like Atlanta that doesn't currently have a competent quarterback, now you're talking about, oh, is J.J. McCarthy going with him? And look, we've talked about it. J.J. with a good supporting cast was obviously good. Look down there. You've got B. John Robinson. Mm-hmm. You've got Drake London. You've got Kyle Pitts. You've got probably a top five offensive line. There's a lot to work with. They need one more receiver in there for sure. But – I think Atlanta's kind of the sleeper job here, and I'm betting if he was willing to go with a younger quarterback, even a J.J. McCarthy, to just plug and play in there immediately, 
I, I think there's a real there's a battle, but there's there's a lot of rumors though that he loves Herbert and he would try to build build you know a trophy winner around that. It sounds like the Chargers are the favorite. It sounds like the Chargers will happen eventually within the next couple of days probably. But Atlanta is interesting to me too, and Atlanta is interesting too because. Um, Bill Belichick, it seems like all the reports are saying they want Bill Belichick, and it just depends on whether or not Bill wants to coach the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, it sounds like it's down to between Bill Belichick and uh, Jim Harbaugh. And, you know, I think Atlanta's – I know this is not an NFL show, but I think Atlanta's a, kind of a desirable job as well because it's like the NFC South is terrible, dude. It's terrible. And you well, can, and you there's can one, actually the division. one distinct advantage they have over the Chargers. The Chargers' salary cap's a mess. Atlanta yeah. has a ton of cap room, right? Yep. So – if if let's say Harbaugh or Belichick were to go in there and let's just say take a McCarthy or even a Michael Penix, right, like eighth overall, and and you've got the rookie quarterback contract, they they can go out and buy they can go out and buy a pass rusher or buy a receiver if they want to get in if it's possible on a T Higgins, sorry Eli, or you know a pass rusher, somebody somebody like a Bryce Huff from the Jets or something. Atlanta has a ton of cap room to work with, too. You could get a young quarterback in there, and the offense is already pretty well supported mm -hmm. outside of maybe one more receiver, but you can plug the rest of the holes. That's the one disadvantage the Chargers have, too, with Herbert's contract and all the money they spent on defense. The salary cap is going to be a problem. Yeah, it's the one. It's the one part where they built a win now team that didn't win now, and now they're now they're in heavy, heavy debt. So I, I think all of that gets looked at, especially for Belichick, who really likes to spread around the salary cap. Um, I'm telling you, that Falcons job is really, really interesting for a lot of reasons. Yeah, and uh, to continue my point, I was going to say, like, you're in a division with the Chargers. You're in a division with Patrick Mahomes for the next decade. Whereas in the NFC South, I mean, listen, Tampa Bay had a great year this year. But you're competing with the Buccaneers. You're competing with the Saints. Who talk about cap hell? The Saints are an app like I think negative eighty million right now um, in cap uh, space. And then also the Panthers, who are the worst team in the NFL this year. So uh, I think that's another thing that makes the Atlanta job a little desirable. Is that yes, you need to get the quarterback right. And if he has the eighth pick, man, I, I th if Harbaugh does go to Atlanta. I don't love it, but it sounds like J.J. McCarthy. He loves, loves J.J. McCarthy. I mean, he thinks J.J. McCarthy and Caleb Williams are on the same level. I think that's what he said exactly uh, preseason. Now, of course, he's talking about his quarterbacks. So of course, you're always going to hype up your guys more than they maybe deserve to be. But I remember a quote preseason where he was saying, hey, Caleb Williams is obviously an incredible talent, but I think J.J. McCarthy's right there with him. And he thinks J.J. McCarthy's the best quarterback that Michigan's ever had, too. So... I could see that being the case. I don't know what – would he take Penix after what he did to him in the national championship game? I don't know, no, man. I, I, would, I would think that he – because here's the thing with McCarthy, too. I, I don't think there's a lot of teams that would take him eighth overall or top 15. I think then you might be talking about a trade down. Or, yeah. you, you know, you, t you either talk about a trade down or you take – let's say they take a prime pass rusher there. Latu, Dallas Turner, Jared Verse – and then trade somewhere back into the first round into that into that playoff range and then take McCarthy in the 20s. Yeah. I, I I don't know that they necessarily have they would have to take him eighth. I don't think there's a lot of teams that would take him eighth overall, I don't think. But they I mean there's other things they need too, right? They they need pass rush. They if they took Dallas Turner at number 8, I don't think anybody would complain. No. You know, and you could also if you wanted, they have cap space, sign a veteran, right? Find a way to get McCarthy, sit him for a year, go sign Russell Wilson to a one- or two-year deal.
Yeah. Something, something. I think, I think their cap room where they're sitting in the draft and, and the supporting cast they have on offense gives them a lot of leeway. But I, I would have to think he's going to try to find some way to get McCarthy in there. Do you think the personalities with he and Russ would uh, mesh together? They're both odd guys, both very odd guys. Yeah, I wonder if maybe they would mesh because they are kind of weird. Or, or, or even if it's Kirk Cousins, right? Like one, one of these, yeah. one of the veteran free agents. To, to do the, okay, you don't have to play day one yeah, thing. I'm not 100% sure McCarthy's ready to step in day one like that. I, I don't, I, I do think, I, I know this is me kind of putting on my tinfoil hat here. If he doesn't go to LA where they have an established franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert, I think Jim is going to want to get JJ with him wherever he goes otherwise. So I think that'd be another thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, Jim, just talking about why Jim would leave. He did what he wanted to do, man. He won a national championship. If he didn't win the national championship this year, I think there'll be more of a conversation because I do think that's really important to him to do that. But he accomplished that too. And it makes sense for him to leave now with all of these attractive jobs interested in him. And not to mention... There is potential sanctions coming for Michigan this offseason where they could really get hurt uh, because that ongoing sign-stealing investigation, I know the Big Ten kind of wrapped theirs up. The NCAA is still looking into Michigan for that. So I think that's another huge reason. I think he was already sick of college football to begin with, man. He was suspended for six games this year for a recruiting violation for the first three games. And then, obviously, the sign-stealing stuff, he missed the last three games of the regular season as well. So um, I, I agree with you. I think he want, I think he's sick of the college game. I think he's sick of all this stuff that's going on with him. He probably feels like the NCAA has it out for him whether or not that's true or, uh, or not is a different story, but he's probably sick of it, man. He probably wants to get back to the NFL where you mentioned he didn't win a Super Bowl. Not only that, he lost to his brother in the Super Bowl. So he definitely wants to get back there and get a ring. And I, I think he wants to join Pete Carroll, Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer as the only coaches ever to win a national title and win a Super Bowl. I think that's really important to him. So uh, I, I think that's why he'd want to leave now. Another thing, Dalton, I've seen in reports if he goes to L.A., the plan is to bring Jesse Minter with him as defensive oh, coordinator to the Chargers. What do you think about that? I'm, I'm sure it is the plan. I'm sure. And you <laughs> see you know, you know, see what his predecessor, you see what Mike McDonald's doing with Baltimore. He's got the best defense in football. So right. I, I'm, I'm not the least bit surprised at that. That was actually going to roll into kind of the next question of, of if they – if Michigan were to promote who we think they're going to promote, would Jesse Minter – be staying or going or whichever but uh, but i think i think the success mike mcdonald's had with john harbaugh yeah. alone i i think i think that makes mincer the prime candidate to go with harbaugh to the nfl i mean that the game plans that he put together in those two playoff games i i mean i stupid it's hard not it's hard not to say he's the best defensive coordinator in the country right now mm -hmm. yeah absolutely he, he's phenomenal i mean that's the report i mean there were reports that you know, NFL teams besides Jim Harbaugh were thinking about bringing him in. I'm sure, dude, if Mike McDonald gets a head coaching job, which he very much might, uh, I'm sure John Harbaugh would be like, hey, Jesse, come with me to the Ravens. You know, let's let's run this back. So I, I think that's another thing. One more thing about uh, the NFL, and then we'll talk about the Michigan side of it in a second, uh, Dalton. But I have a conspiracy theory I want to throw out to you for the NFL draft. Michigan ran 12 personnel at the highest rate in the Power 5 this year, 49%. Uh, and... The Chargers tight ends as a unit were the fourth lowest graded in the league. What I'm saying here, do you think Brock Bowers at five is realistic for the Los Angeles Chargers? Do you think Jim Harbaugh would want to do that uh, and take Brock Bowers at five over some receivers? Absolutely. I, I know we've se I've seen a lot of mocks with Malik Neighbors going there, which I guess makes some sense with their receiver situation and 
at least through one year, kind of whiffing on Quentin Johnson. No, I think Bowers. I think the two teams I think about for Bowers, um, if he's going that high, would be the Chargers, and if he drops a handful of spots, would be Cincinnati. I, yeah. I, I, those are the two teams that I think are the perfect. And really, Brock Bowers, a guy with his talent in that position, fits anywhere. But I, I think Chargers, Bengals. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think Brock Brock Bowers absolutely on the board at that spot. It's either going to be neighbors if they want to really get out wide like that bowers or they take whoever their favorite defensive player is in the draft yeah um i, I mean because they, they they're gonna have to with all with all these old you know these older guys on their defense they're gonna have to rebuild the the defensive guys in a bit but i, I think brock bowers a perfect fit especially for the way harbaugh is gonna go in there and run his offense and, and you, he's always like tight ends and it's back in the day when he had vernon davis and delaney walker and mm-hmm. you saw this year with barner and loveland at michigan Harbaugh loves tight ends, and I think that would be a prime spot for him. Dude, I, Eli just said in the chat as well, he said, I'm I'm resisting screaming into the mic right now. Eli, did you already pre-order your uh, Brock Bowers Bengals jersey already? If he makes it that far, man, <laughs> the league's in trouble. Oh, I, I, I agree. I totally agree. Uh, when you think about uh, even with the possibility of losing T. Higgins, but – if you get Brock Bowers, I just oh, think that adds a dimension oh. the Bengals have never had. Yeah. It, it, I, listen, I'm a Brock Bowers truther here. I think Brock Bowers is a top five talent in this draft. I would take him fifth overall. I think he's worth that pick, uh, which is saying a lot for tight end. I, I put out an article at pff.com if you want to check it out, why he's the greatest tight end in college football history. He might be the greatest tight end prospect in college in NFL draft history uh, as well. So I think he's more than worthy of the pick. I actually sent this the, the take I just had to uh, Trevor Sycamore, our lead draft analyst, and he said he thinks it could happen. It's a wild guess, though, but he also gave him a top 10 grade. So Trevor doesn't really think that might be a possibility, but I don't know, man. With how much I Michigan think, loves tight ends. I think ends, it's completely based on fit. Like, because right now they're just running, they still have it's Gerald Everett and Donald Parham and, and kind of mediocre in that room. Based on the fit, based on if they get Harbaugh, especially if they do seal this with Harbaugh, uh-huh. I think that's absolutely, yeah, you, you have to, you they, they, they need a culture shock. They need more diversity in their offense, mm-hmm. okay? And then obviously the defense just needs to play more fundamentally sound football. But you wonder if he gets Minter in there with oh, some of the, with the, with Derwin James, Kenneth oh, Murray really hasn't worked out for them. Um, look, um, Tui Pelotu was a really good pick last year. Khalil Max still had a top 10 season last year. Joey he, Bosa? He's not getting like, old. Yeah. You know, they, they've whiffed, obviously, at corner, but I don't think in this draft you're taking a corner fifth. Unless, you know, if they trade down and go corner, I get it, DeGene, somebody like that. But I, I think at five, I think Bowers, for that team and what they need, is absolutely on the table. I, I so do I. I would love that. Again, I love Brock Bowers. I think he's being too underrated right now. I think he deserves to be a top five, top ten pick, and I've seen him in the top 15, 20 in most mock drafts. But, dude, I think it just it fits so well. I mean, l- listen, look at how much Michigan used Colston Loveland, who's kind of like a Brock Bowers light for Michigan this year. A.J. Barner was their, like, blocking tight end as well. With how much they use 12 personnel, man, I think Jim Harbaugh is going to do the same in the NFL, and I think you don't have the guys to do that at the Chargers right now. You get Brock Bowers in there, all of a sudden it's a different story. So I think I think that's definitely uh, something I'm excited to push that agenda more, Dalton, if uh, they actually do end up hiring uh, Jim Harbaugh. All right, let's go to the Michigan angle for this for a second now. What should they do? What, what, what do you think the answer is for the Wolverines if they lose their head coach and obviously defensive coordinator and Jesse Minter? The obvious. Just, just, just promote Sharon more. Yep. Just to, especially with, I don't know if any external coaches are going to want to come out there with those 
sanctions possibly incoming and, mm-hmm. and dive headfirst into that. I think Michigan's internally already been fighting that. More coach darn near half your games this season and 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 went 6-0. and I know he had the best team in college football, but you still have to get through, especially, look, he got you through the Penn State game and the Ohio State game. Yep. I mean, that's 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 enough of an audition for me to go and, and, and clearly, especially we saw after the Penn State game, loves being there. Yeah. I mean, he just, just absolutely loves being there. Loves that team. Uh, has would just have a fantastic base to work with, especially on defense, and he can put together the offense himself. Obviously, if they lose Minter along with Harbaugh, that's a big loss. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many guys would transfer out because of that. I don't know, you know, who they would get to replace Minter if it's internal or what. But just just do the obvious, do the obvious thing. I think the guys earned it, right? And, and I th- and the players love him. He loves the players and the team and the culture and all that. And you know, I don't know that, I don't know that they would win a national title again this year but i think their defense and i think just keeping things the way that it's been rolling at least gives them a shot i agree my question to you is do you think so if harbaugh doesn't immediately hire jesse minter would you consider promoting minter instead of sharon moore or would you stick with sharon moore i would go with more yeah i, I just I, agree. I just because he's already done it and i think I mean, we saw them choose him this year for those over, six games to do that. I think, Minter, yeah. I think if they were gonna like have Minter as the head coach in waiting, they would have had him do the audition. I, I agree. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's I, I I get what you're saying. I think like before last season and before the suspensions had been a thing, that's a conversation. Of, but I think they've already made they've already made their decision. And, I th- and I think Minter prob- probably. Probably made that decision knowing that Harbaugh very well could have left after or could leave yeah. right now. I think Minter, I think what I want to, how I want to put this is Minter is a better coordinator, I think, than Sharon Moore. But I think Sharon Moore is a, there's more to, than just being an X's and O's guy to being a head coach. And obviously, you saw the interviews with Sharon Moore. I mean, people were clowning him for it after the Penn State game. I loved it. Um, where he's like in tears. The guys love him. You got to be a leader. Jim Harbaugh is a culture guy. Sharon Moore seems like a culture guy. I think that's the move. And now I do think Minter's a better X's and O's guy than Sharon Moore. Not to, I mean, not to disparage Sharon Moore. He's a terrific offensive coordinator. I mean, he's a terrific, well, terrific I, offensive I, mind. I, I think exactly what you said is is the the in college, especially like in the NFL, you have a lot of head coaches now calling plays. But in college, there's Nick Saban. Pretty much talked about this when he retired. He's like. There is so, so much surrounding yep. all of this that, like, calling plays is get. Who is it? Is it um, – who was it that just gave up? Which head coach just gave up? Didn't they just give up play calling? No, Hugh Freeze took him back. Yeah. That's right, because when he got to Auburn last year, Hugh Freeze gave up play calling, and he'd always called plays because he was like, I need to focus on these other things, and now he's turning back around. So it, it's it's hard. It's hard in college. Cause he even, I remember Hugh Freeze, I think, even said at one point, he's like, it's hard to do all that and put together the whole offense. It's it's tough. So more, I don't even know that he would call the plays himself. Maybe, maybe not. But I think the fact that his leadership got them through a lot of that last year is the big selling point. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's in, in college, especially NFL is a lot more about X's and O's. College, dude, you got to be a CEO. You you got to be like the face of the program. The biggest superstars in college football are the coaches. You know, NFL is about the players. 
and college football is about the coaches. You know, when you think about college football, the biggest stars, you think Nick Saban, you think Kirby Smart, you think of those guys. Um, so I agree. I think Sheryl Moore is kind of the leader that they would need. And you mentioned, I mean, 6-0 as interim head coachman. That's a tough spot to be in, especially when you're playing Ohio State, who was you beaten twice in a row. They want to get back at you and beat you now. Um, and you beat Penn State, too, as a top-10 team in the country as well. So Sheryl Moore, I think, is the easy answer here. I think that's ultimately what they'll end up doing. I wanted to bring up Brian Kelly, though, uh, because the LSU head coach, who a lot of people have rumored that if Harbaugh leaves, he would be interested in the job. Um, I don't think it would make much sense for Brian Kelly specifically because, one, I think LSU is a better job than Michigan, just straight up. And two, not even considering the sanctions that are incoming for Michigan. So I think LSU, even without the sanctions taken into account, I think LSU is a slightly better job than Michigan. But especially with the sanctions that could be coming in, I definitely don't think that LSU uh, is a worse job than Michigan. And another thing is, he made so many moves this offseason to improve his defensive coaching staff. Why would he leave after? Like that just that doesn't sound like a, a guy who's look has one eye on the door. That sounds like, hey, I need to fix this now. Um, he got a top ten recruiting class this year in 2024. Right now, his 2025 recruiting class is number one in the country. They have the number one overall recruit in quarterback Bryce Underwood. They have the number one wide receiver and a top five overall recruit in DeCorian Moore, and the number one running back in Harlan Barry. So they got the number one quarterback, number one receiver, and number one running back in 2025. I would be, I, I don't know, I, I don't think it would make much sense. First of all, I don't think Michigan should do it, and I don't think Brian Kelly should even think about it either, um, of leaving LSU. So uh, I wanted to bring up the Brian Kelly stuff too. I just I, For either side, I don't think it makes much sense for, for either of them. I don't think it makes sense at all for Michigan. Um, Kelly, you know, it, like if he was trying to just win this coming year, I could see it because LSU, they need a lot of work on their defense. Mm. Jaden Daniels and those receivers are leaving. Logan Diggs, now his second leading rusher, is also now at Ole Miss. There, there's, there's This year is going to be kind of a retool for LSU. I, 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 don't, I don't think – me personally, I don't think they're a playoff contender this year. I think they went 9-3 and three with Daniels, Neighbors, and Thomas as the best offense in college football. That I think there's a lot more to fix right now at LSU. Long-term, if he's making all his long-term moves, the recruiting classes, obviously, he, you know, everybody knows LSU's defense has got to get worked on. That yeah. was that was probably the toughest season I've seen an LSU defense have since, well, since I've been alive, to be honest with you. If he's in it for the long haul, cool, go ahead and stay. If he was just trying to win one year at a time and do all – I could see the reasoning, plus Brian Kelly's much more of like a Midwest guy, right? Getting back kind of in that environment. Ah, that's, like he was that Southern it. accent kind of kind of convinced me a little bit. Didn't it convince you, Brian Kelly's Southern I, accent? I, I was fooled for a second, but, you know, you just you, you just, you just remember certain things. That, <laughs> I, I mean, I give him credit for trying. But, um, no, I, I, I think it, it really doesn't make a ton of sense, especially for me more so from Michigan's angle. I, I don't know why you'd want to go, because we've seen it now with the portal. And when with Saban, where you're gonna get a lot of guys jumping ship, man. Oh yeah. I mean, it's gonna be the same rebuild project as he has right now. So he might as well stay within the project that he's already started now and build from there with all with those recruiting classes you've been talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So you kind of gave me a face when I said Michigan is a worse job than LSU. Do you think Michigan's a better job than uh, than LSU? 
Um, I, I mean, why not? They just they just won a title. They win 10, 11 games every single year. I, look, LSU since Burrow left, what have they what have they really done? I just and I know there's other things it, that go into it, facilities. And, yeah. And and LSU, you know, they pull in tons of athletes, but it feels like outside of the Burrow year, they've really been kind of trying to find it over the last decade. Still, like as far as like competing, you know, competing with Alabama and competing with Georgia, and, and I, I don't. I think for the recruiting base and being in the South and what they can pull in on like talent wise. Yeah. But also clearly they haven't other than Harold Perkins, like on defense, they're not getting the Patrick Petersons and the Derek Stingley's and these guys that they used to, who were just, I mean, we saw, we used to see LSU guys going top 10 in the draft. I, I mean, I always look at it from a standpoint of like the number one thing is winning. Right. And I think especially right now with a 12 team playoff, that's gotta be the priority. You make the playoff and I think everything else takes, takes care of itself. Right. This is it's not quite like how I think about the A the like the Texas AM job because LSU's competed at a way higher level yeah. than that. They have. Like even AM had Johnny Manziel, and I don't think they won more than did they win ten games in either of those years? I don't think they did. I think I had like nine. I, yeah. Like AM I just look at and I go, the, you know, everybody's like, What's the appeal? And it's like, Oh, they have money. Okay, cool. But like eventually you have to win. Because all of a sudden if you're losing with a whole bunch of money like Jimbo Fisher found out it's not very appealing all of a sudden. Yeah, it was appealing you know? to get fired because you get a $70 million buyout. But... <laughs> right. Well, that's, yeah, individually, that's the, that's the best job in the world. I, if I, yeah. I would take $70 million to get fired. But I, no, I, I think the LSU job, I think it's hard. And especially, they don't have SEC West anymore. But yeah. in the SEC, where does LSU stand right now? Are they the yeah. fifth best team, well, the sixth best team? Oh, well, that's interesting because now with Saban gone, I think there's a there's like a window there for like I know Georgia is clearly still like the the class now, but I mean I think there's a window there for LSU to establish itself as the number two program. Not maybe this year, just like from a year, but like as a whole, um, I think there's a chance there for them to become. Now I, I wanted to say too, like it's a pretty easy place to win at LSU, Michigan hadn't really been this national like title contender until Harbaugh got there. And we all saw how I mean Harbaugh's like an NFL job. He's a terrific, terrific head coach. And everywhere he's gone, he's turned them into a really good like Stanford was terrific under Jim Harbaugh. Andrew Luck there. Went to the 49ers. All of a sudden they went from like an average team to one that was in the NFC championship like every year, made the Super Bowl. Michigan, all of a sudden they're a na- they won the national championship. LSU, LSU's last three coaches before uh Brian Kelly uh, Nick Saban, Les Miles, and Ed Orgeron. All three of them won a national championship at LSU. And we all know Ed Orgeron, I mean, we saw what happened after Joe Burrow left. Like, he's not a great head coach. So, I think it's an easier place to win. I think, obviously, the recruiting hop, you're in Louisiana. That's a hotbed for recruiting. I mean, you, you consistently bring in top five, top ten classes every single year. I think it's an easier place to win. I, I'm not trying to uh, Michigan's a terrific job. They're a top 10 job for sure. But I, I do think LSU's a better job because I think it's easier to win there, whereas Michigan just had a way better coach than LSU had uh, in, obviously, Brian Kelly right now. Like, I think Jim Harbaugh was the reason they won. I don't think it was the Michigan program really too much that they won. I think it was just terrific job by Jim Harbaugh building the culture, building an unbelievable coaching staff, getting top talent there. I saw, I think LSU's a better job only because I think – it's easier to win there than it is to win at Michigan, in my opinion. That's that's a tight one because it's not this. I mean, there was a couple of years, like even the Brady Hoke years in there, that they they weren't great. But really, I, I think Michigan, and we said this about LSU before Burrow, where Michigan's always kind of like they're kind of stacked a lot 
everywhere mm-hmm. else but at quarterback, and that makes it hard. But I think you're also talking about two just completely different environments and two different ways you have to build a team. LSU certainly is flashier, but, you know, Michigan, it's like it's it's it gets in the winter. It's cold. They're playing hard-nosed, old-school, mm-hmm. high-formation football a lot of the times. I think I, – I, I don't think the talent base is that different. I think it shifted, like, a little bit where it's like Michigan's about – it's Big Ten, right? It's offensive line. It's defense. It's Now, an LSU used to have everything. Everything. I think LSU is flashier, but I, I don't know that the talent base is all that different. You know, other other factors may play into it. It's less flashy, cold weather, but it's still, you know, you got two of the best home stadiums in college football for sure. But I I think it, the sanctions are going to be interesting too to yeah, see where that's, that's, that might how, yeah. how heavy that is and how much that really puts a dent in it as well. But I mean, I don't, I also don't think like the recruiting thing is quite as it's it's not that it's not a big deal it's that it shifted the focus right with nil and everything right. it used to be well the teams in certain states are getting all their local kids so they have the advantage right kids can go anywhere they want now everybody's yeah. got cell phones plane tickets are easy to get all that stuff now they're getting paid so it's even easier to go home and jump. you know michigan look michigan's going down going down to florida and going out to california and getting some of these kids they're, it's not just oh we're recruiting michigan ohio pennsylvania for the best kids and fighting locally it's not like that anymore either so i i think maybe the best way i can put it maybe you're right that lsu's a better job but michigan's currently other than maybe the sanctions in a better state yeah having come off a national title with a boatload of maybe the best defense in college football returning yeah yeah, that's yeah. I think that's fair. I, I think you know, I'm looking at the college team talent that 24/7 Sports does, which is basically how good your roster is, just purely based off how these kids were recruited out of high school. So LSU this year was the seventh most talented team. Michigan was 14th. So I think Michigan so much of that was you know the the coaching staff. I think was the best coaching staff in college football. I think you got obviously Harbaugh, one of the top three coaches in, in the country. Uh, Sharon Moore, one of the best OCs in the country. Jesse Minter might be the best DC in the country. So much of that was that. Uh, they had supremely talented players, but I think a lot of that was coached up. LSU just, I mean, they, they're able to bring it. I mean, you saw the, the 2025 class, man, is stupid with LSU's bringing in. Number one quarterback, number one running back, number one wide receiver. Michigan does not really do that. Michigan kind of has been like hovering in the top 20 for recruiting. LSU's kind of outside that. Now, I do think LSU has guys do a much better job in the transfer portal. Um, they obviously got Jaden Daniels, but other than that, they haven't really like attacked it as much as I think they should be. Um, but I, cause I think that's another thing you have to be using now is like recruiting is basically like the NFL draft where you bring in these guys to the next level and you hope that they could turn out good transfer portal is kind of like free agency where it's kind of like, all right, we got to plug holes here. If you're not using both of them, like imagine an NFL team that wasn't using free agency at all. You, you have problems. Look at Clemson. Like imagine if an NFL team was like, Hey, we're not going to sign any free agents. We're just going to draft. And hopefully all those guys work out. Then you get into problems like Clemson has, where it's like, okay, we, we need to start filling these holes here. LSU's kind of in that, not as extreme as Clemson, but they're kind of in that too, where I'm like, they got to attack the portal more. So that, that's definitely an interesting one. I think we should do an episode this offseason, maybe like the top 10 jobs in college football and see how we differ on that. I think that'd be pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, again, I think Sharon Moore, just to summarize, Easy answer for Michigan. He's the guy. You promote him. Brian Kelly. For me, I think neither side it makes sense. I don't think it makes sense much for Michigan. I don't think it makes sense for Brian Kelly. Um, but I, I don't think Brian Kelly should be the answer there for Michigan. All right, let's get into our uh, our top 10 transfer fits. So like I said before, this isn't the top 10 players in the portal and where they're going. 
although some of those guys are, trust me. Uh, but it's more of, you know, looking at all the guys in the portal and just, man, I really like this fit for him going to this school. So, Don, I'll let you kick it off with your, uh, your top ten list. Who are the guys that you really love the fits that they had in the transfer portal? All right, so uh, it's funny because our top three are, are pretty darn similar. But uh, number one, Caleb Downs to Ohio State. Um, yeah. y- you get a defense that was already bringing back a ton of pieces. They're already loaded on defense. They were top five defense last year, and now you add maybe the best safety in the country. It, it just it, it almost feels unfair, to be honest with you, doesn't it? I mean, you, you're talking about a guy, 88.9 coverage grade. You're bringing back now at safety or you know strong safety slot, whichever combination you want to use. Caleb Downs, Lathan Ransom, Sonny Styles, probably the best safety room in the country heading into next year. To add a talent like that to a defense that already had a ton of it, not fair. Yeah. Um, two, D- Dylan Gabriel to Oregon, just if, about as smooth a transition from Bo Nix as you could have. Obviously, I could have added Dante Moore in here as a combo for the whole room, but um, I think the fit thing, too, is Dylan Gabriel led – the FBS in play action passing yards, number three in play action passing touchdowns behind Caden Salter and Bo Nix. It, it just fits everything about it. And if you're talking about a base of Dylan Gabriel, Jordan James, Evan Stewart, Tej Johnson, that has you in that has you yeah. in playoff contention. Easy. Three, Princely Uman Mielin from Florida to Ole Miss. Yep. 89.2 pass rush grade, third best in the SEC, fourth best pass rush win rate among edge players in the Power Five. Lethal pass rusher, probably somewhere around a second-round pick this year if he would have come out. Going to a team in Ole Miss who had the second-worst group of edge players in the SEC, 93rd in the country, only in the SEC, only ahead of Vanderbilt. So a team, we've talked about it uh, for, it feels, I think, two months already. Ole Miss needed defense. Lane Kiffin's gone out and got it, and I think the biggest hole was on the edge, and Uman Mielin fits it perfectly. Mm-hmm. For Tyler Barron. To Louisville from Tennessee, I, I I just love this just to see it with Gelati with yep. Ashton Gelati. It's the best. I think that's the best pair of edge rushers in the ACC. Um, fifth in the SEC in pressures last year. Seventh in pass rush grade. Just a solid solid contributor. And, and just like he was at Tennessee with James Pierce Jr., he's kind of the bookend number mm-hmm. two guy to see him and Gelati are the biggest problem of any defensive line I think in the ACC. Yeah, five. Trevor Etienne. I've been talking about this at Georgia. I think it's just perfect. I think it's absolutely perfect. I think now that he's going to be the featured guy for a team that was top 10 in run block grade each of the last two years at Georgia, 5.9 yards per carry in his career. Just different than his older brother. His older brother was more of a spread kind of space player. Etienne's a classic back. I, I, I Just watching his style of play just fits this is just this might actually be like my actual favorite favorite fit like just to just to watch it i think there's every chance he puts up 13 1400 yards next year i really do he's only had one game in his career max with 20 carries that was against tennessee last year 23 carries 172 yards he just with montrell johnson at florida with him etn just wasn't featured like he could have been now he's going to be in that offense with carson beck coming back Absolutely love it. Six, um, I know you're going to allude to it as well at some point. Quinshawn Judkins going to Ohio yeah. State. That feels unfair. How do you, to have – okay, so we'll start out with Travion Henderson, and then when he's tired, we'll go to Quinshawn Judkins. That's <laughs> not – a down year for Quinshawn Judkins, Max, was 1,150 yards, 15 touchdowns, yep. and an 87 rushing grade. That was a down year. Yep. And he also had the most carries in college football this year without fumbling. 
So he's he's an animal, and I think what they've done at Ohio State in their run game, Henderson, Judkins, and Will Howard's feet added along in there with his experience at Kansas. That's not fair. That's mm-hmm. just how – those are probably two of the five best backs in the country, and they're in the same backfield. Seven's a fun one. It's a guy we've obviously been hearing a lot about transferring to Notre Dame. No, not that guy. It's actually Rod Hurd, the second. It sounds funny. This is something I mentioned either last week or the week before. So the one thing in Notre Dame's defense, Max, that they didn't do all that great, they were like top five like across the board and a lot of stuff. But the one thing they didn't do all that great was covering the slot. Okay, Players lined up in the slot ranked for Notre Dame ranked 67th in the country in coverage grade okay out on the outside top five d-line crossing mills animals jack kaiser coming back at linebacker the one thing they needed was a consistent presence in the slot rod heard at northwestern last year okay second most slot snaps in the country behind sebastian castro 83.4 cover grade 74 tackles led all corners in the country this dude is just a consistently fundamentally sound full-time slot corner that I think very quietly you're, you're going to hear about even Marcus Freeman talk about, oh, Rod Hurd's coming here and just solidified us in the slot. I think no more than in the Ohio State game did we see when Ibuka got, with Ibuka, excuse me, got two seam balls on the very last drive against them that basically won Ohio State the game. It's the one thing oh, um, Notre Dame's defense was missing and, I'm t- and especially as the second half of the year went on, they got one of probably the five best slot corners in the country in Rod Hurd the second. Eight, I had to go back to the alma mater. That you, I love this. The second you told me it was rumored, and then when it happened, Florida Atlantic's LeJonte Wester going to Colorado. This, let me tell you about Wester. 5'11", he's only 5'11 and 170, all right? Razor sharp route runner blazing speed even at that size a 99.3 deep grade this year most targets in the country second most catches in the country behind i believe malik washington 85.9 receiving grade for an fau offense that was not very good max he had over 11 i think it was 1150 yards somewhere in there okay the next closest player on fau's team had 413 yards (laughs) he for the last two if not three years He's been FAU's offense. I was last summer. I went back to Florida for a bit, and I was talking to a guy I used to coach with who was on FAU's staff um, a couple of years ago. Not this past year, he was on it with Taggart, and I we were talking about different things and, and all. And I asked him straight up. I said, "Okay, so what about Wester? What's what's with him? Why is, is he just that much better than everyone else?" And he was like, "Yeah, no, he's special. He's 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 different from every other kid on our team." And for him now to go to Colorado, who nobody in the country completed more passes into slot receivers than Shadur Sanders, somewhere around 140 completions. Wester plays in the slot right around six out of seven snaps, just like Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn were last year Mm -hmm. coming from USF. You're going to hear about LeJounte Wester putting up numbers, big, big numbers in this Colorado offense. And it's going to, what he's going to do also is allow Travis Hunter to focus more on defense. Yep. I think Hunter's going to be on big downs on offense, a little bit bigger, can play the outside more. But LeJounte Wester transferring to Colorado is a guy to watch at receiver. Nine, Aeneas Peoples. Um, I think he kind of got forgotten about in the portal. This, one, this was one of the best pass rushers in the ACC last year. Going to Virginia Tech now, who is replacing two really good pass rushers inside in Feldarius Payne and Norrell Pollard. You know, Vatek was eighth in the country in pass rush grade last year. Wow. I actually and did not. Their, know that. De- their defensive tackles 
Defensive tackle pass rush grade. All right. Texas, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech. Wow. They they have a clear, clear influence of like these this front four is gonna get to people. And Aeneas Peoples is the best interior rusher in the ACC. And they they just swiped him from Duke, and it seems to have just gone completely unnoticed. Uh, their their front seven and their D line, especially now with Peoples in there replacing those other guys, and they get a, they've got a deep deep rotation. Their defense is going to be nasty again. And and you're talking about you know offensively, they're trying to figure it out. Kyron Drones is young. Their top four receivers are returning. Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech might be able to compete a little bit in a really open ACC. The last one I had some I, I had some difficulties with the last one. Um, I, I really some guys I wanted to fit in there that I was thinking about. I was thinking about CJ Daniels to LSU. I was thinking about I love Malachi Nelson to Boise, but I'm gonna go with my guy Chandler Rogers um, from North Texas. Look, highest scoring team in the country with a losing record. Rogers just um, just spectacular once they gave him the starting job. Honestly, hose absolute hose for an arm. They got really vertical in this offense. Um, you take out um, going to Cal, by the way, you take out a week one kind of um, fill in performance where only threw like eight passes and struggle coming off the bench from week two onward, seventh best clean pocket grade in the country. Um, all year, he was the second best quarterback in the group of five behind Preston Stone. And now they're both in the same conference again in the ACC. I think, look, Fernando Mendoza did some nice things for Cal, kept him in certain games, especially the USC game, but still had more turnover worthy plays than big time throws. I think Chandler Rogers gives them a vertical element to complement Jaden Ott in the running game. I think Cal's offense, if this works, could be one of the more explosive offenses in the ACC. I love that, man. Um, one guy you didn't mention who actually has not committed yet, Dalton, is your guy, Graham Nicholson, kicker from Miami, Ohio. Still, I would have, I would have, had him. I would have had him in here regardless of where he went. Somebody needs the best kicker in the country. I would have had him in there, and you know, I would have. I would have. I would have added an 11th spot for him. I there can't believe a, there would have been a there should have been a special team spot. Now I have to <laughs> now, if I was doing that now I probably have to go with Jaden Harrison to Notre Dame from Marshall. But not the point. You I can't believe special, he has You want to do a top 10 special teams transfer? We do. No, we absolutely need to. We, when we do our position rankings, we're doing a top 10 kickers and punters episode. We have to. Well, top 10 long snappers, returning long snappers. We have well, that, to do that. Well, and we need, we need a graphic for everyone, too. We do. Eli, Eli he, needs to he, go he, deep into he, Allen. Eli's the, he's the king of long snapper graphics. So he's got it. We'll, got, we'll go straight from one to 10. Just get, get them all. Man. Eli, Eli is going to be just digging an alley for for a I'm, I'm picture waiting of a... at least twice a week i i look up and see if graham nicholson's committed yet I'm i can't, i can't believe he has it he's like we're not even joking around here like he quite literally was one of the best kickers in college football this year and i understand miami of ohio but then again does not matter where you're kicking it's the same thing for every single kicker it's not like a group of five versus power five matters so uh that's a I, tough conference to kick in too this a, that's a lot of, oh, bad a lot of weather a lot of bad yeah. weather yeah absolutely, absolutely. yeah I'm, penn state brought in a kicker from tulsa I, i'm mad that graham nicholson wasn't on there man so i yeah that is I, I actually can't believe that nobody's picked him up yet so if you're a coach or anyone listening to this right now look at graham nicholson if you need a kicker man because he quite literally was one of the best kickers in the country and uh He's still out there right now. So, all right, I'll go over my list real quick. Uh, my number one on a player is just Ohio State. Just what they've done this year. It, Dolan, I think Ohio State watched our way too early top 25 and said, we're about to prove these idiots wrong. Because what they have done, 
this offseason, I made a video about it if you want to check it out. Uh, we actually put it out as a short on our YouTube channel if you want to check it out. What Ohio State has done this offseason, transfer portal and everything else, has been absurd. They brought back essentially everyone but Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, came back to school. I know Kate Stover also is leaving. Uh, Michael Hall Jr. is also leaving as well. But other than that, you bring back Emeka Ibuka, you bring back Trevian Henderson, you bring back Jack Sawyer, JT Tumalawau, you bring back Denzel Burke, you bring back Lathan Ransom, you bring back uh, Donovan Jackson, you bring back Josh Fryer. They bring back everyone. Uh, Tyleek Williams as well. They bring back everyone. And then Ryan Day said, no, 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 that's not enough. We're going to go out and get the number one safety in college football, one of the best safeties that we've seen in college in a long time, maybe going to be a Derwin James-level type player, Caleb Downs. We're going to go get him. And then we're going to go out and get a top two or three, maybe even the number one running back in the country in uh, Quinshawn Judkins to go along with Travion Henderson, who, by the way, would have been RB1 or 2 in this year's draft. So you have the by far the best running back duo in college football now. Maybe one of the best running back duos we've ever seen. I, I, I gotta, I'm not ever, but you got to look back at a long time to maybe those like Arkansas days when they had uh, Darren McFadden and they had Peyton Hillis and Felix Jones. Like Those were nasty. I think Ohio State is going to be disgusting next year with Henderson and Quinshawn Judkins, who both might be top five running backs in the 2025 draft. And they both might be top five running backs in college football, honestly, going to next year. Then you, you run out of town, Kyle McCord, who I'll talk about in a second, of course. But you run him out of town, you get Will Howard. Will Howard's a very solid quarterback. Is he going to be a huge upgrade over McCord? No. But he adds a running dimension that you didn't really have in McCord. So I, I love that. Seth McLaughlin, you also got the center from Alabama. Did not play well this year. And can you argue he could might have cost Alabama that Rose Bowl uh, with a lot of the bad snaps he had. But the year before, he was a really good center for Alabama. So you get him in there, um, and hopefully he could bounce back as your new center. And then... In recruiting-wise, you bring in probably the best recruiting class in college football. You got the number one overall recruit in Jeremiah Smith, wide receiver. So if you were thinking, hey, thank God Marvin Harrison Jr. is out of there. Ohio State can finally cool it on receiver. Uh-uh. Jeremiah Smith's coming in there. Uh, the, I think he's the first receiver to be number one overall since Doriel Green Beckham, like 11 years ago. So this guy, I, I looked at his on-three profile yesterday. His comparison, Dalton, is Larry Fitzgerald. All-time great. If he is a Larry Fitzgerald, like, that is massive. And obviously, uh, Ibuka is going back to school, too. And Ohio State's got a couple other five-star receivers who are finally going to be able to play this year. So, you get him. And then they just got Julian Sayan in the transfer portal, who's the number one quarterback uh, in this recruiting class, um, who was going to Alabama, but with Nick Saban retiring, he enters the portal, he goes to Ohio State. And then you got a couple other five-stars, too, in that class as well. So, number one receiver, number one quarterback, Caleb Downs, Quinshawn Judkins, Will Howard, what Ohio State, and bringing back basically the whole roster is absurd. Ryan Day, I mean, we're going to do an updated top 25 because we have to now. Uh, I might have the number two, Dalton. I don't know how you feel about them. They might be number two for me right now. Maybe even behind Georgia. I think that, that might be the only school I will put up above Ohio State right now. Well, they're they're loaded. I'm still curious to see what's going on at Michigan, um, but they're, they're loaded. Uh, their defense rivals any in the country. Um, and the way it's not, it's still with Will Howard not going to be like that high flying. Obviously, the weapons are really good, but um, how do you? I mean, you're kind of right. How do you, how do you compete with that defense and that running game? I mean, no. it's, are, I mean, the real question maybe are they are they now the favorites with all that talent coming back to win the Big Ten? I think they are. I think they definitely are. I, I actually, I, you know, Oregon's I, Oregon's obviously explosive, got a lot of talent. Um, Michigan. We'll see how like who's where, who's how stable that stays. 
Like Michigan's, oh, court, are they going to do Orgy, who's like the Wildcat guy for them this year? Like I don't know if he's. I mean, but the way the way that they're like that their team works with the running and complimentary football and like Donovan Edwards coming back and all that. Yeah. It's it's you have two teams that the have defense, such good yeah. supporting cast that you don't need necessarily elite quarterback play. You're gonna need something, obviously, but yeah. Um, no, Ohio State they're, they're loaded. I, I think. With all the talent coming back and now coming in that we did not expect, I think they have to be in the top five. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I okay. So I'm not Eli. Don't lock this in yet. I, I know I got my Michigan pick right for uh, my preseason oh, national boy. championship pick. I'm not saying it yet. I'm just saying I might be leaning Ohio State for my pick next year. Might be leaning them with how loaded that roster is. I haven't decided yet, so don't lock this in yet. But I think I might be leaning that way. But. Ohio State, man, what they've done. I mean, they made us look so stupid for putting them at 11. I mean, we're going to do an updated one. They might be number two. At least for me, they might be number two. Um, so, yeah, Ohio State, ridiculous what they did this offseason. Uh, number two, you mentioned already. I'm not going to cover it too much. Dylan Gabriel to Oregon. I think that's terrific. I, I think he fits that offense so well. You did a great job breaking down how he's a great play-action quarterback. That offense is so predicated on play-action um, and I just, he's a point guard. And I think that's exactly what Oregon needs right now. And you look at number six, Evan Stewart going there as well. Evan Stewart might be a first round receiver to go along with Tez Johnson, one of the best returning receivers in college football. You got Jurion Dickey, a five star freshman from last year who's coming back. Uh, Treshawn Holden's coming back as well. They have a loaded receiving core. I, I think Dylan Gabriel's a perfect guy. And then obviously, after that, you got Dante Moore when Dylan Gabriel's finally out of eligibility. I mean, Dan Lanning, his first three quarterbacks at Oregon were. Bo Nix, Dylan Gabriel, Dante Moore. That is terrific, man. Just stupid by Dan Landing, who's done a terrific job at Oregon. I, I'm putting this out there right now. Dylan Gabriel might be a Heisman finalist next year at Oregon. I, I think that's – so that's a huge get for Oregon to get that. Um, I love that. Prince Iman Yellen had number three. Um, again, super superstar edge defender for a team that desperately needed it in Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss, obviously, they lost a lot in the portal. They lost Quinshawn Judkins, who I just covered. Um, and Tyler Barron, too, who I have at number seven, to Louisville. He was committed to Ole Miss. Then he kind of flipped to Louisville. It's another huge loss. He's, they lost some other guys, too. I think Deca Marion Richardson ended up uh, going somewhere else, too. But I still think Ole Miss is a really good team next year. And Oman Milan is a big part of that. Trevor Etienne, you mentioned it, a terrific fit for Georgia. I, I think that's a huge, huge get for them. And a team that loves to run the ball. Um, that's going to be tough to defend that offense, man, when you have maybe the best quarterback in college football in Carson Beck, and you got one of the best running backs now in Trevor Etienne. Uh, it's going to be tough to, to really key on either one of those because they could beat you in either way. Um, number five, guy you didn't have on your list, Parker Brailsford to Alabama. One of the best centers in college football this year at Washington. Uh, Alabama obviously losing their center. I just mentioned Seth McLaughlin going to Ohio State. Brailsford might be a top three to five center in college football, if not two or one, honestly. You can make an argument for him all the way up to number one. Uh, he's terrific. Uh, Evan Stewart mentioned him already. He's, a, I think, a, maybe a first-round pick, maybe a second-round pick. Either way, terrific receiver going to Oregon. Tyler Barron mentioned him too. Love him and Ashton Gelati. That is a nasty duo. Obviously, you already have a great duo uh, at Tennessee with him and uh, James Pierce Jr., but Barron and Gelati, man, I, I agree with you. I think it's by far the best edge duo in the ACC, and I might put that edge duo – Two or three, maybe, uh, in the country. I know right now my number one will probably be Jack Sawyer and JT Tuomaloao, but after that, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find too many better than uh, than Barron and Gelati at Louisville. Uh, eight, BJ Green, another guy, star, star edge defender. Uh, was really underrated at Arizona State. Um, his, uh, over the last two years, uh, he has... 
the highest pressure rate in the country, 22.4% over the last two years. Really underrated edge defender. He had 56 pressures this year, which were sixth in the Power Five. You lose Braylon Trice to the NFL. You get B.J. Green in there. That's a huge get for Washington and Jed Fish um, going there for him. Uh, Jay Sean Barham, I had the linebacker from Maryland going to Michigan. Love that as well. Uh, he's a stud, stud linebacker. Took a down year, had a down year this year as a sophomore, but as a true freshman, he was a stud for Michigan, who's losing Junior Colson. I believe Michael Barrett is gone as well. They need help in that middle unit of that linebacker. Uh, Jay Sean Barham is now their new LB1. And you look at that Michigan defense, man, we talked about them already, but you got Mason Graham in the middle, who might be the best D tackle in college football heading into next year. Uh, argument with him and Howard Cross at third for sure. But Jay Sean Barham, a really good linebacker in the middle. And that's secondary. You got Will Johnson, you got Rod Moore, uh, you got Keon Sab. Disgusting. Uh, that's why we think that defense is going to be so good next year. And, and Jay Sean Barham shores up the middle of that defense that they really need help at. And I think it's a big, big get for Michigan to get Barham in there. And then number 10, of course, I couldn't do my top 10 without it, was Kyle McCord to Syracuse. He is – I was over the moon when he committed to Syracuse. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm a Syracuse alum, so this is kind of hitting uh, home for me. But uh, I couldn't believe it, man. And really, I was a little skeptical of the Fran Brown hire when it happened. I am all in now. Now, of course, Fran Brown was hired as this uber-talented recruiter, great guy, great relationship guy culture building guy that we talk about in college football which is so important that was kind of the issue with Syracuse before is that they weren't getting talented kids in the program they're doing it now now it's just a question of okay is Fran Brown a good coach can he coach them up and I'm listen he's a secondary coach at at Georgia they had a great secondary we'll see but I I, getting Kyle McCord who I understand Ohio State fans um one of my friends actually Dolan one of my best friends Tate uh used to who went to Syracuse with me, he's a big Ohio State fan, he was like, oh, I, I don't like McCord at all, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, you don't like McCord as an Ohio State fan. You got to think about it from a Syracuse perspective. This is like getting Joe Montana in the program right now. Like, this Whoa. is like, it is like a huge, huge deal. So I understand he's not a first-round pick like your last three quarterbacks in Dwayne Haskins, C.J. Stroud, and Justin Fields, but he's still a really good quarterback. And for Syracuse, he's probably the best quarterback maybe since, like, Ryan Nassib or, like, Donovan McNabb, honestly, man. So uh, I, I love that fit um, for Kyle McCord of Syracuse. So before we wrap up, I actually don't. I prepared a couple trivia questions for you and oh. Eli. But before we wrap up, do you have any other – because I know you said you had a few guys that you were really mad about leaving off this list. Is there anyone you want to shout out uh, that you think is a really good fit as well? I, I was actually just going to ask you the same and see if you had one or two. Um, I, I think one, one that really stood out for me is – Malachi Nelson going to Boise State. Yep. Um, I, I just think that's a team they always play good defense. Ashton Genty is one of the best backs in the country. And you're talking about us, I think, basing like Boise State's possible group of five playoff contention, I, I think is about if Malachi Nelson hits any sort of because it was a really interesting pick, right? Five star, five star quarterback was under Lincoln Riley all the, and he goes to Boise State of all places. That was one that that I really think they just needed they needed that at quarterback. It, it's just been the big flaw in this with this team with Boise State in the passing game over the last few years. Really rugged, really good defense, really good running game every year. But if Nelson can give them that second dimension, they're one of the favorites to to make that that group of five playoff spot. In it really yeah. probably at number twelve. But Boise everywhere else, 
they're always rock solid, man. They're as stable a team as there is in the country. They just need to add that second dimension. I, I was my really my ten eleven was picking between Chandler Rogers and Malachi Nelson. Yeah, that's I, I think Nelson's a huge. And dude, you mentioned uh, listen, Group of Five guaranteed a playoff spot next year. Boise State. I'm sure Malachi Nelson kind of looked at that and said, "Hey, I can maybe play for a playoff spot." I also, do, I'm not saying he's not planning on staying there for two years, but th- that also to me seems like a, a situation where he might be thinking, "Hey, let me go somewhere where I know I'm going to play. Let me kill it there. Let me enter the portal again after my sophomore year, then go to a big time program." That that might have been, you know, when he originally entered the portal out of USC, he might not have gotten the the schools that he wanted. So he's, you know, instead, let me go somewhere where I know I'm going to play, and then maybe again because now that the two-time transfer rule is gone now so you can transfer twice without sitting out a year uh he might be thinking about that i don't want to put words in the kid's head I, I'm not, he, maybe he will stay there for two years but that to me seemed like a, a situation where he might be thinking long term like hey, i can maybe go again in the portal and get a, a much better opportunity at a huge power five school um one i loved we interviewed him this just to me just i it just vibes wise was like this is yeah this is exactly what, what happened riley leonard to notre dame that's just like that's a Notre Dame quarterback. That is yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's a pure Notre Dame quarterback. Uh, I love that. Caden uh, Green going to Missouri, the offensive guard from Oklahoma. I, I love that as well. Uh, Juice Wells, the receiver from South Carolina, who was injured a lot this year. R- ridiculous player after the catch going to Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin's gonna have a lot of fun with him in that offense alongside Trey Harris and Caden Priestcorn. So um, yeah, I think those are some of the other guys I just want to shout out too. That I, I really oh Isaiah Bond to Texas too. One of Alabama's yep. top receivers. Texas loses all of their top receivers um, and tight end Jatavion Sanders. He's probably going to be the number one guy for Quinn Ewers next year. So I think that's another guy, and he could take the top off the defense. Man, Quinn Ewers is going to have a lot of fun uh, with Isaiah Bond. Uh, Walter Nolan too. Ole Miss, another top top guy. I think yep. that's, that's another D line guy for Ole Miss. It's going to be huge. All right, you want to get to our uh, my quick trivia questions that you and Eli have to answer now? Let's roll. All right, so I have two. I have one that's a Bengals-centric one, and I have one that's not. But you and Eli can work together on both of them. Um, all right, so there are th- four schools that have the most number one overall picks in the NFL draft all time with five each. What are those four schools? Mm. All right, four of them. Okay. Five number one picks all time each. Good lord, that's tough. I mean, Burrow and Russell are two right off the top of the head from LSU. Oh, that's my problem is going back to like the sixties with that's the hard part. <laughs> I, know, I haven't that's the crazy I can't thing. say I can't say I've sat I've sat here and studied it back to nineteen sixty five or whatever it is. Do you wanna so you, uh, you wanna say LSU? You want to go LSU as one? We can go LSU. I'll take LSU as one. LSU's not. They have three. Fuck. Burrow, Jamarcus uh, Russell, and Billy Cannon. Maybe Jaden Daniels if Dalton, if Dalton thinks, you know. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think it's impossible. Um, well, I feel like USC jumps to mind. USC. Yep. They're one of them. They have five. USC. Okay. Also, they might they might break the record this year now and get six with Caleb Williams. So. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Last USC one was Carson Palmer. What about uh, Oklahoma? Oklahoma is one of them, yes. Because they've got Kyler Baker. Sam Bradford. Bradford. And then Billy Sims and Leroy Selman. Leroy Selman. I was grinding his tape. Legend. Yeah. A couple couple of days ago, I was grinding his tape. He's a legend. So So how many are there? USC, Oklahoma. You got two of them. There's two more. Why does does Notre Dame jump at? It is Notre Dame. Is it Notre Dame? Notre Dame. But like... None of them are quarterbacks, though, are they? Their last number one overall pick was in 1972. 
Holy oh, cow. That's why. So okay. you have two in the 50s and two in the 40s. And so they had like five picks. Walt, Walt <laughs> Potolsky in 1972. Paul Horning was one of them in 57. Um, who's now the Paul Horning Award, which is the most versatile player in college football. But yeah, Notre Dame's one of them. And there's one more that uh, has five. I don't think I don't think it's Bama, is it? Did Joe Namath go first overall? No, Bama only has two. Bryce and uh, a guy from the 40s. Bama's just first-round picks. They don't get a lot of first yeah. overalls. Bryce was the first one since the 40s for them. They only have two. I feel the like Ohio State Jets is a team lucky. that you would Man. think about, but they don't give me first overall pick vibes. Do you want a hint? Yeah, we'll take sure. it. Sure. Okay, it's a semi-recent number one overall pick went there. Semi-recent. Oh, well, yeah, I don't want to like give it away, but yeah. Um. Wait, we already said. Oh, wait. Uh, first overall picks now? in my Let's head. See. We already said Oklahoma. You got? It's not. It's not. No. 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 That's not it. Who? Um. No, I was thinking of something that's off the wall. That's not right. Um, semi-recent. Oh, God. It's I, not. Well, no. It's there's not no semi. It's, it's recent. Let's just put recent. I'll say recent. It's, defi- it's definitely not Clemson. No. Clemson only has one. Just Trevor. That's, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Um, so now you're making me roll back and go through. It's not South Carolina. It's not... Um, God, I'm losing my traction right now with all these number one picks. Who is it? Would it be like Georgia? It is Georgia. Oh, okay. Is it? It's Georgia. I thought of Stafford and Walker. Yeah, Trayvon Walker, recent. Stafford, and then oh, yeah. uh, a 50s guy, Harry Babcock, and then Charlie Trippy and Frank Sinkwich in the 40s. So, yeah, you got it. It's Georgia, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, USC. Those are the four. Okay. Um, and USC, like I said, probably going to get their sixth this year and take the lead with Caleb Williams. So we'll see. Um, all right, second question. This is another kind of college question, but about the Bengals. So on the Bengals' active roster right now, there are three schools that have four players each. That's the most on the Bengals' roster. What are those three schools that each have four players? One of them is Alabama. One of them is Alabama, correct. They've got battle. One, uh, one of them's, them's got to be LSU, right? No. LSU's no, just Burrow and Chase. and Chase. They used to okay. have Shelvin was their detective. Uh, yeah, Bama's Jordan Battle, McCarron. Irv Smith and Jonah Williams. So that's four. LSU's just Burrow Chase. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Is one of them NC State? No, not NC State. NC State, they have uh, BJ Hill and Jermaine Pratt. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Michigan. Yep. Michigan, four. Yeah. Michigan, because they have uh, DJ Turner, Dax Hill, um, Chris Evans. Yep. And then Brad Robbins, the punter. Can't forget him. <sighs> Wolf. Chris Evans? I didn't even know Chris Evans went to Michigan. Wow. What am yeah, I? Yeah, he was like not he academic that suspension. Much. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, that's a take me and my friends have. He's really <laughs> talented, but he, we just don't think he can like understand the NFL game because there's no reason he hasn't seen the field. Damn, he just coming at Chris Evans here. I love him as a player. He just can't get on the field. He's like, I, I remember his his relative athletic score was like one of the highest of all time for running backs. He's, he's like a freak. Whenever he gets athlete. in, he makes plays. Too. Yeah, he's a crazy, crazy Brown, athlete. A, yeah. All right, uh, so you got Bama and Michigan. There's one more school that has four players. One more school. Wow. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think too now. Oh, man. Where, oh, I just had a question. I will say all, all four of these players are like very notable players for from this school. They're not like scrubs. Is it, it's not Oklahoma, is it? No, it's not Oklahoma. Uh, where did Awuzie go? I think he was like. 
was he Colorado? Um, I don't know. It, it's not where Cheeto went. Yeah, he went um, to Colorado. Yeah, there's two Colorado players, him and Josh oh, okay. uh, Tupu. I wasn't sure if it, where I forgot where he went. Um, oh, is it Clemson? Man, it is Clemson. It's T. I was see. I was. Reader. I was almost thinking um, that with Higgins, but I was trying to think of who else it is. Jackson was, Carmen, T. Higgins, Miles Murphy, and DJ Reader. Oh, Miles Murphy. That's see. I've, that's the other one. I forgot. I forgot that Reader went to Clemson. I was thinking about Reader, and I was like, "Where the hell?" Did I he honestly, go? I forgot about Miles Murphy. I know I you drafted the first round. Yeah, you, did, he, did he even play this year? He played a little bit towards the end, but uh, uh, yeah, not, not more so in the end. It just was kind of um, yeah. the the edge group this year outside of Anderson was rough. Yeah. Oh yeah, you don't. Was, you did the uh, the yeah. first round article every week. Yeah, it was Murphy. More... Well, and, uh, you know what it is with Murphy more so is it's just. It was so hard at times, especially with the way they're playing. Like Hendrickson and Hubbard play so so much. Like yeah. Yeah. Trey Hendrickson never comes off the field. Mm-hmm. So like I, it's like especially through the middle of the year, you might there was games when Murphy might have got like six or eight snaps. Like he yeah for a long season, stretch of the year, he only played if Hendrickson or Hubbard needed a blow. That was it. I, I wish they would have once kind of Burrow went down, taken the effect of like let's see what we have in the young guys. Because yeah. I really wanted to see what Miles could have done with more reps, but we're getting to the point where maybe not. It's this might be the uh, it might be a hot take, but like I think they kind of need to figure out what they're going to do with Hubbard moving forward. Yeah, I think if Miles is the guy that you think he is drafting first overall, Hubbard's probably gone after like this year. I'll say, I mean, when we interviewed Joe Alt, we could check out on the channel. Uh, Joe Alt, I asked him what was the toughest edge he's ever played against. He goes, and Miles Murphy was crazy. He's like that guy. I, I also I also wonder if there was a a system adjustment where the the Bengals run a ton of five man front. They have Hendrickson yeah. and Hubbard standing up a lot, and I wonder if Murphy, if that didn't, if that part of it didn't fit as well as they thought it would. Because right, they run a ton of they run a ton of four man at yeah. Clemson. He was he was down in the yeah. dirt. Uh, I, I think maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just that Hendrickson and Hubbard were so good that they just had to play them. Every, plus, they're in a playoff race. Like. The Jets did that same thing with Will McDonald, but they were out of a playoff race, and I really didn't understand it. Yeah. Like he didn't play twenty snaps in a game all season. Yeah. So I, I just wild. I don't Especially get sometimes with some of these teams that are out of a playoff race where I'm like, why not just play the kids just to play them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That was one of my friends was talking about with now uh, Brian Callahan uh, in Tennessee. Do you trade T Higgins eighteen for seven? Draft Joe Walt. Mm. That's a bit of my fan fiction too. I love Joe Alt, dude. I would, love, I would love Joe Alt. Love to be Joe Alt. Get Joe Alt and Brock Bowers. How about that? Well, if we're trading, oh, 18, you got to trade eighteen. Yeah, we'll just trade back in. Again. Brock Bowers is is my is my dream at eighteen. Him and Newton, love our boy. Brock Bowers is going five. I'm telling you, Jazan Newton, favorite interview of all time. He is the man. I love that guy. I, I'm in love with his tape. His him tape on, is crazy. Him and stripes would be. He, uh, <laughs> he he would DM me after uh, the Penn State game and just be like, dude. I was dominating them. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> he needs to, if he comes to the Bengals, I'm, I'm he's got to come in person for the an Bengals. I think, see, the Bengals make sense to me. I know, like, everybody wants Joe Alt, but then you have to move one of those guys to the right side. I look at the Bengals, actually, as a reasonable spot for Fawaga. Mm, I don't like that. I love him, so. He's a monster, dude. I think They need a right tackle, right? Like, you've we got do. Brown locked in, and there's nothing wrong and with he Orlando doesn't want to Brown, play right? right? Like, I, you know, and I maybe it's maybe I'm making too much of a big deal of it. You know me; I'm always in the right tackle yep. hype train, right? Like, I think this year who was a Penny Sewell. My God, he's the one who switched. Dude, and he's just a monster. Oh God, he's but a monster, yeah. um, 
see the week he had last week graded like a 94 or something yeah, like that a highest like, playoff run blocking grade of all time 97 and a half jesus yeah <laughs> like, no, dude I, like, I think I, I think the Bengals, either the Bengals or maybe even jacksonville is a spot for fawaga for sure yeah i don't like that but yeah that's what we got man uh, we gotta do more trivia i gotta give eli a Bengals question we'll get more college questions in there too i think that'd be fun but uh that's what we got for our episode of basically what michigan should do with jim harbaugh potentially leaving uh our favorite transfer portal fits as well we got more uh, off-season stuff coming very soon that we're very, very excited about. I'm excited to get into more of the off-season with you guys. But, uh, yeah, that's what we got for this episode. So for Dalton Lawson, for producer Eli back there, make sure you check out the uh, audio stuff as well. Make sure to check out Google uh, – not Google anymore, actually. They're, they're discontinuing their podcast. But uh, Apple, Spotify, whatever, uh, please leave your questions there. Leave your five-star review there as well. We'll get to those questions um, in a, in a few, hopefully very soon episode that we're going to do uh, pretty soon. But – uh, yeah, make sure to do that as well, please. So, so for Dalton Wasserman, Bruce Eli, I'm Max Chadwick, and we'll see you guys next time.